Welcome to the Amaze Podcast. Amaze creates free educational videos and resources to help families talk openly, honestly, and less awkwardly about sex, health, relationships, and growing up. Our goal is to help you become an askable parent so your kids trust that you're their go-to for honest, non-judgmental information. In today's episode, you'll hear from the wonderful Rand Current Morgan, Manager of Parent Education at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts. Rand brings a very special dose of magic to their education work with parents, caregivers, and direct care professionals. In this episode, Rand and I talk about how our culture is learning a new language and a new way to think about gender, how to practice using they, them pronouns, why it's important to meet kids where they're at when it comes to conversations about sex and gender, and more. Let's have a listen. I'm so excited to have Bran on for today's conversation. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I would actually just love to hear a little bit of a sense of your background in the field. Sure. Yeah. So my full name, I'm Rand Purant Morgan. I'm the manager of parent education at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts. And uh, my background has been in a, a range of different areas, a lot of work in behavior. So I'm a board certified behavior analyst and a licensed applied behavior analyst. Um, And I've taken a lot of that work that I have done with parents in that context, and I'm applying it now to the work we're doing around having conversations. So having conversations is about changing some behavior and changing the environment around that behavior. So how can we help change the environment and change the conversations to make these conversations more accessible for folks? I think that's so interesting because really I feel like um, this is a time of change and just the conversations we're having with kids are different. The conversations that parents are having having are really different. So, um, you know, on that note, I feel like right now, especially around gender, there's a whole new vocabulary that's happening for people. I think it's a little intimidating. I think it can be confusing for people just because it's new, anything different and new. So, you know, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you might recommend for, you know, parents or just anybody who is sort of working on getting over some really long baked, long baked, you know, assumptions about gender and what that means? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it is really common. I think in our work with parent education programming, we're always coming to things from the perspective that parents are the experts on their families and their children. And that doesn't mean that they have to be the experts on everything else out in the world, right? And so there are resources like Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts that can come in and support parents in having the conversations that are appropriate for them and their family. And that also applies to gender. So I often talk to parents who are really nervous about using the wrong words or they're hearing their children use new words, or I'm sure we've all been on one end or the other of that eye roll where you say something and your kids are like, oh, you can't say that. Or, you know, your parents say something and you're like, oh, you can't say that. Um, The biggest thing around these conversations for gender is just to be really open to it. So there's a program called the Family Acceptance Project that does a lot of work and research in this area. And one of their main findings is that young people are most successful, you know, in terms of self-esteem and health and general metric outcomes when their parents accept them, which is not to say that their parents necessarily know the words to use or entirely understand or agree, but just accept them. And that that acceptance makes an enormous difference in the health, happiness, and safety of young people. 
And we know that that is what parents want the most, right? For their young people, for their children to be healthy and safe in the world. What's the language around that? Like, especially if a parent doesn't understand, is it as simple as saying, hey, wow, this is new to me and I don't really understand this, but I love you. Like, what, what, what does that language look like? Yeah, I think that that is a great example. Um, I think a lot of it depends on how it's coming up in the conversation. So it's obviously going to be different if the young person is asking a question as opposed to the parent wanting to bring something up. Those might look a little bit different. Um, One recommendation that we make a lot of the time is just to try to remove some of the gendered language to leave that door open to young people asking questions or sharing their thoughts. So saying things instead of, you know, do you want a boyfriend someday, whether you're talking to Um, regardless of the gender of the young person you're talking to, instead of saying, do you want a boyfriend someday? Maybe saying, do you want to date someone someday? So Mm -hmm. not putting that intentional gender in there or making it so that either they have to answer you without telling you something about themselves or they have to correct you, which can be uncomfortable for young people. So um, instead of saying, do you want to have your girlfriends over for a movie night? Saying, do you want to have some friends over for a movie night? Things like that. It's, it seems so simple, right? <laughs> it does. And it's so hard because this isn't something, and I feel like this is such an important thing to note too. This isn't just that someone hasn't been taught these things. This is our whole culture. We're learning a new language and a new way to think about it. And I recently heard someone say, this is the water we're swimming in. It's hard to look around and, and see the water because we're swimming in it. So it does take a little bit more thought. Um, Another resource that I really love that just gives an example of this, but around something that I think people have a hard time thinking there could be an example of it is Corey Silverberg's book, What Makes a Baby. It mm-hmm. has great pictures. Uh, it It is appropriate for small kids as well as for adults. I have a lot of adults who really enjoy looking at it because it talks about making a baby without ever using gendered language. And you certainly could pull gender into it, but it talks about where making a baby, you need a sperm, you need an egg, you need a uterus. And none of that is specific to, you know, a man's or a woman's or any of that, just what the parts are. And I think those are some really good examples of thinking about um, having conversations without specifying gender. Not to self-promote my podcast, but I did a really great interview with um, a friend, Casey um, Brown, and it, it was called, I think, gender identity 101 or something like that. But I just feel like from Casey, I have learned just, uh, you know, just just so much about simple conversational tweaks. And I think it's important to note that it takes a little practice, you know, and now I'm totally, totally good with it, you know, without, you know, don't need to use pronouns, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it takes practice. And that's, that's like totally normal and totally okay. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think uh, one thing that can get in the way is, people worrying, worried, being worried about making mistakes. Yes, yes. And you mentioned pronouns too. I hear a lot of people being really nervous about making mistakes around pronouns. Um, and one thing to do is to practice. I think, of course, not necessarily. Of course, many people are very comfortable using he and she, but express some discomfort or concern around using they pronouns. And those people may be worried about messing up. And so it can be something, I don't know, around the dinner table where we say, okay, we know this is something we need practice. Let's practice talking about each other, sharing facts about each other using only they pronouns. Or let's tell stories about 
our dog today using only they pronouns, but getting some of that practice, practicing saying it out loud, seeing how it feels, seeing where you get tripped up and getting feedback from other people and also having a totally normal conversation without getting feedback from other people can make a really big difference in feeling comfortable using that language. And of course, if someone messes up pronouns, it doesn't have to be a, a big conversation. It can just be, oh, I'm sorry about that. Let me try again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you were talking about earlier about the difference between like a kid bringing something up on their own versus a parent initiating a conversation. Um, I would love uh, for you to talk about maybe some just like everyday out in the world kind of examples of how parents could initiate a conversation if they feel like they do want to talk about it and, you know, maybe get some practice on it. And like, yeah, you know, what are some like really easy you know, ways they can enter the conversation? Yeah. So the downside of it being the water that we're swimming in, or I mean, the downside is it's the water we're swimming in, but that can be the upside too, because there's so many opportunities to find teachable moments. And those might look different for different parents. Uh, one example is if someone is in the store and they're say the toy store, and there is a toy that has um, only little boys on it, then a parent could start a conversation by saying, Hey, do you, what do you think about that? packaging, right? And not necessarily saying that's right, that's wrong, but do you notice anything about it? What do you notice about it? What does that bring up for you? And if the child says nothing, I really like that toy, you know, cool, depending on the situation. And if they say it looks like only boys can play with it, but I know some girls do play with it, then maybe following up with, yeah, it does look like only boys play with it. And that's kind of a bummer because, you know, to, this toy is for any kind of person to play with. Um, or maybe they have really strong feelings. So depending on where the parent is in the conversation, what's jumping out at them, just noticing those things and asking for their young person's perspective on that can give them sort of a step in the next direction, just just one step forward. I think that's that's great advice. And, you know, it's interesting, like, I think a big part of it of this communication thing is parents feel like they need to just like blah and like and go on and on and really you know I think a big part of the solution is just kind of asking and seeing where your kid is at with something because they may have things on their mind that like you just have no idea about it's very it's very right. interesting right 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 and they might have really different or really accurate information um, we talk a lot in our parent workshops about our adult brains or our adult lenses and you know, when a young person asks a question that we interpret and we jump in with the answer to the question that we think they're asking, but sometimes they're asking a really different question than that. And so to say, you know, thanks so much for asking me, what do you think about that thing? Or what made that, what made you think of that? Or what brought that up for you can all give you a lot more information to either say, you know, yeah, actually that's really accurate or wow, you actually know a lot more than I do about that subject. And I'd love the chance to look into it a little bit more. Or it can buy you a few seconds to be like, oh, I really don't know anything about this subject. And I'm so glad that you're coming to me. But I think I need to look into this a little more before I give you information. One of the thing, pieces of pushback that we've gotten is just like this whole idea of, well, I just want my kid to be young. Why, can't, why do I have to talk to them about this stuff? Like, I don't want to talk, you know, to them about sex and all this other stuff. And I think it's, it's such an important reminder that a lot of these conversations actually have nothing to do with, you know, 
sex or any kind of like intimacy or anything like that. It's just basic kid curiosity. Right, right. And we talk a lot about scaffolding too. So there are questions mm-hmm. that kids have at younger ages that are really laying the foundation for the questions and experiences that they may have at an older age. So if a kid has a question about sex at age two or four, that doesn't mean that we're going to give them information about erotic components, but we can answer their questions for where they are, right? And also asking that follow-up question, what do you know, what do you think, can get more information so that you're only answering the question that they're asking and not giving them more information than they're ready for in that moment. So I want to move on to ask you about something that I think parents struggle with just because it's newer in, you know, and also current um, in the media and things. But I would love if you have a a couple of simple ways that um, to help parents talk to kids about the concept of being transgender, because this is something people are just, it's out there more. And, um, but I think a lot of people struggle with that conversation point. Yeah, I think that goes back a lot to what I was saying earlier about not necessarily having all of the answers and being able to address the question that a young person has. Um, So for local folks in Massachusetts, we have our parent workshops and we actually have a workshop on gender and sexual identity, which breaks, breaks it down a little bit more in a way that I think is easier to understand. So we're talking about sex assigned at birth that is being When a doctor looks at a baby and says, it's a boy, or it's a girl, or it's intersex, and that is another longer conversation. But when the doctor looks, that's different from someone's gender expression, which is different from their gender identity, which is different from their sexual orientation. Those are all different components of what can make up who a person is. And I think that having the language to separate those out and think of them as pieces that overlap and may be related, but aren't necessarily related, can help have those conversations. Um, other, Other recommendations generally are to check out podcasts that talk about some of these things or follow social media accounts that have some more information that feel like they're speaking the language of the person who's reading them so that you can understand what they're saying and figure out how to apply it. And again, Parents don't have to have the answers, right? They just need to say over and over that they are accepting, that they are supportive to look at how they can support their young person being who they are in the world. You guys have started something really cool called Kids Ask. And I just, I would love for you to tell people about that resource a little bit. And then I'm also curious to know if you've been seeing or like what kinds of questions you might be seeing from parents related to gender. Yeah, so Kids Ask is, I'm, I'm so proud of Kids Ask, and it's always growing and, and morphing a little bit. Um, so often in our workshops, we've had parents say, this was so great. I wish I could pull you out of my pocket when, when my kid asks the question. And we've heard that over and over again. And so in response to this, we developed this website called Kids Ask, which is, it is a website, not an app. So it's accessible on a desktop or on a computer. It's kids-ask.org. And it provides a couple of things. One, it provides a framework for either answering questions or starting a conversation. So I talked a little bit about validating a statement. You know, when a young person comes to you and has a question and you say, thank you so much for coming to me, or I'm glad you asked, or that's a really common question. And then that clarifying statement, you know, what what do you think? What does that mean to you? Where did you hear about that? And tone is important there because you do want it to be like, oh, where did you hear about that? Not where did you hear about that? You know, 
saying, yes, tell me more. Um, and then it goes through the facts. So sharing something that you know about what they're asking or saying, you know, I actually don't know much about it. It's okay not to have the answer in the moment. And then the last few pieces are the feelings and the values. And sometimes those are the same thing. And sometimes they're a little different. So a feeling might be like, I'm so glad we're talking about this. Or um, a feeling morphed with a value might be, it's really important to me that you know that I love you no matter what. Um, or those could be two separate things. You know, a value could be in our family. It's really important that you know that whatever the thing is. And so the website has all these pieces put together. And you can sort of build your own script. Also for the values and for some of the feelings and the facts, we really have sentence stems because each parent is the expert on their family and their values. So we're not going to say this is what your value should be. It will, it will say something like, in our family, we believe that blank and this means blank. So mm -hmm. in our family, it's important to respect people's personal space. And this means we ask before we hug them, for example. Um, but you can put in whatever feels most appropriate for you. And then it also has common questions that parents tell us they are asked and answers to those questions in the fact section um, that are age appropriate, medically accurate answers for those young people. And so you can sort of scroll through different ages and topics and answers. And then if something seems a little off to you, like if one of the validations is I am so pleased that you came to me and you're, I would never say I'm so pleased that you came to me. You can type right over that and it will still pop up. Ooh. And it's so important looking at this from a behavioral perspective that we practice saying these words out loud. And the more that we can say, great question, I'm so glad you asked, or I'm glad that you came to me with this, the easier it is in those actual moments. And so the tool is both to help parents come up with the words that are comfortable with them, as well as to see what questions they might not have been asked yet, but that are common questions for those ages, as well as what some of those answers might be. I think it's so genius. And, you know, that is something we also hear from people just like, okay, tell me the exact words to say, please. Um, so I think that's, it's such an awesome resource. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't cover? Or, you know, I know there's obviously, this is a huge topic. Yes, it is a huge topic. Parents want the best for their kids. And if parents can keep that front and center in these conversations, how do I keep coming back to supporting my young person and to making sure that they feel safe and supported? That's the first thing above everything else. And it's okay if we don't have all the answers. I love that. That is, uh, you know, the perfect way to close. And I'm just so grateful for you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. This was just wonderful. And um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To find more free educational resources from Amaze, including videos, book recommendations, conversational scripts, and more, visit amaze.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Amaze Parents, and on Twitter at Amaze.org. And we'd be so grateful if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>